Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. friends and welcome to the papaya podcast i'm your hostess trying her mostess sarah nicole and each week i'm going to be dishing out some sweetness mixed in with some seeds of wisdom or something like that so get ready to get inspired get candid get real because we are all in this digital space together All right, welcome back we are switching it up for this episode i had Um, asked in my Instagram stories, actually, what kind of direction you'd like to see the podcast go? Because to be honest, I've never felt like this is a me thing. I've always felt like this is an us thing. And, you know, such a community kind of rallying behind this voice that I'm bringing forward in this new way. So I just want to say thanks to everyone who kind of helped me put together this podcast episode because, um, yeah, it, it can be a little challenging to kind of put the guesswork into what kind of content people even want to hear. Not so much about what do you want to be receiving, but like what are we what are we looking to learn about? What are we looking to, you know, advance ourselves in? And, and what are those like curious little questions that you just feel like we haven't completely dove into yet. So today's episode will absolutely be jumping all over the place. I will do my best to keep it nice and concise, but because I think the dynamic of uh, my content being so diverse in so many different storylines between, you know, divorce and body and so many other aspects of like parenting and even like beauty stuff, people just have their own channels in which that they connect to. And so this is a really great opportunity for me to speak into a bunch of them. But we do only have an hour. So I am I kind of went through, there was so much response to it. And I kind of just tried to pull the ones that I saw most common or ones that I was really drawn to answering, which means I probably will have something to say on it. Uh, full disclosure, I am not an expert in anything, like literally nothing. I have zero degrees in anything. I am full on just life experience and things that I've learned along the way. So if there's pieces of advice in here that regarding mental health or regarding health, at all, um, please know that I'm just somebody with life experience. And if this is something that you feel like you should be talking to a professional in, 
you know, like somebody who like actually did the research on all of this beyond just my own personal research, uh, please do that. I I want you guys to all find care in the way that works for you. Um, But let's just start with like some of these really simple conversations to kind of get it going. Uh, One thing I also kind of want to say is thanks so much for sticking around to this point. The podcast has been a completely new space for me. And one of the huge curves has been that I recorded all this content and then I pushed it all out over a matter of weeks. So once it was released, a lot of the criticism and not not like in a bad way, like constructive criticism that came back was completely the same things that I heard myself. I'm really bad at interrupting people. I'm really bad at getting distracted and getting away from topic and like not getting back onto it at a good time. There's a lot of things that I'm still learning and I know that you guys know that I'm really new to this space, but it doesn't make it any easier to still step into it and have such a grace-filled audience that's like, you're amazing, you've done a great job, like here's the only thing I would push back on, like all this kind of stuff. Like you guys have actually been so kind to me and I was expecting... I don't know what I was expecting, but I guess that, you know, we talked about in a back to the pilot episode, imposter syndrome, like I was ready to scrap the entire podcast one week before it went live, one week. And I think because I was accountable to, you know, my editor and my manager and in and people that had invested interest in me getting it out, there was a little bit of, I got to do this. So thank you to those who tr- truly pushed me forward with this. It was scary as heck. I wasn't completely proud of it until I started hearing the impact back from it. And now that I've listened back on a few episodes, it's really helped me kind of to understand what it is that I like when I'm listening to it and even listening to myself as an interviewer and and all of these pieces. Like, I don't know, guys, like just thanks for letting me kind of grow in this space. This is this is not something that I'm a professional at. Like I just said, I'm not a professional in anything. I'm just a human being that happens to have a platform and a microphone in her hand right now. So which is kind of cool. Like it's kind of cool that you can literally out of nothing like build a thing. So for those who have like been here and like enduring the fact that I'm kind of a really fast talker who loves to go off of subject and sometimes interrupts people unintentionally rudely, um, thanks. You've been so kind. So let me just be that little like preface to the rest of this episode. And I'm really freaking excited to answer some of these questions. Um, Okay, so question one. How to have mental awareness? This is one that I'm actually really passionate about. So going back in my story a little bit, you guys will remember that I shared how in a therapist's office, I was told that I had post-traumatic stress. Part of post-traumatic stress for me was a suppression of thoughts and a suppression of memories. And when that happens, I guess for me, what was happening is I was becoming a sponge to a lot of opinions and a lot of ideas and a lot of lifestyle. And basically, when somebody kind of suggested something to me as an idea, it became my MO. Like, it's what I started doing. I actually don't know what MO means, so I really probably shouldn't say that unless I know what it means. But it became what I would just absorb into my own opinion. I I allowed other opinions, especially of me and of others, I allowed opinions to become my opinions without fully forming opinions myself. So a huge part of my personal healing from PTSD 
um, which is not something that I think you ever fully heal from. I think you learn to cope and you learn to manage. However, a huge part of that was creating mental awareness for myself. It was starting to understand what things made me happy, what things made me sad, what things make me angry, what things make me excited, what things make me frustrated. All of these like tiny things, when you start to like be emotionally aware, like even just like to the basics of this is my emotion around this moment, you can start to peel back the onion and the layers of yourself. So I mean, I'll take like even, even a really like simplistic thing. Um, going for a hair appointment for a long time in the past used to be, you know, hair appointments now seem like, you know, they're hair appointments. They're fantastic. I love to catch up with my, my hairdresser. I love to like have that time with her and I love to like, you know, get my hair redone. All of those things are really cool. But a few years ago, I actually really discovered something a lot deeper than that. And it was that going and getting my hair, I walked away feeling so absolutely powerful and cared for and, and, just amazing. And I had this like amazing feeling, but I didn't really know why. I didn't know why I felt so, so good after having my hair done, except for I just thought it was because I looked so good or it was a moment of like really feeling aesthetically pleasing. But as I kind of like went down the line and got into like doing my own hair every single day and stuff like that, that feeling was still there. Even though I was had gotten used to having aesthetically pleasing like hair, it was one of those things where I was like, okay, so it's not about the aesthetic appeal of it. It must be something more. And in my own mindfulness and mental awareness around those moments, I started to realize it was the intimacy. It was the intimacy of it. It was the moment of somebody giving me physical touch and care to me um, after, especially when you're like as a mom or as a spouse or as a really good friend to a lot of people or somebody who's really busy in career, you're, we're very, we're outputters, we're constant outputters. And these little tiny moments can be something of input that really can change the trajectory of your day, of your week, all these different things. So once you start to notice and pay attention to like things like that, now getting my hair done, like I, I now know I feel really good good after them because somebody has like put hands on my head and made me feel good. That's not, it's not as elating a feeling anymore because I now know to ask for that and be an advocate for myself for that in my own personal life. You know, we heard about that in our episode with um, Mind Online Therapy, where she talked about, you know, intimacy isn't always sex. Sometimes it's physical touch. We heard about it from Lise when she talks about, um, Lise Wilcox, when she talked about um, being an advocate for yourself. These things are, you know, once you start hearing these little bits of stories, they can start to become dialogue for yourself as well without it being an absorbing of somebody else's idea for you. You might go get your hair done and not feel crap all. And like, that's fine. So honestly, that's like a really, really simple example of something that like that. Um, there's a whole other end of the spectrum too. There are certain things like you might notice I don't often speak on political issues. And uh, that's hard for me because I actually have a political opinion. It, it took me a long time to get there. And sometimes I feel really empowered to share it. And other times I don't feel like I have the mental capacity to do it. And, you know, we talked about that in uh, the episode with Just Ask Jenny, where she, you know, she kind of talked about the fact where not everybody has the capacity to speak on certain things or be an activist on certain things. And, and while I have loved kind of being a champion against, you know, some very, some very other big issues, there's other ones that are just really, really difficult for me. Um, and that's, and that's, uh, 
just something I've had to embrace and honor for myself and for my own mental health, even though I completely respect that I have a platform that I should be able to, and I, and I wish I could, I wish I could just like speak boldly and, and, um, more brave and I'm just not there yet. And I need to honor that too. So having the mental awareness of even your own capacity is really, really important. Um, so I'm going to say my answer to that question, how to have mental awareness is to start paying attention. Start paying attention to your highs and lows. Start paying attention to the root of your feelings and start allowing yourself the the time and space to expand on those. Um, My friend, Coach Carrie, Rhea Carrie, she often uh, will talk about kind of unpacking your day. At the end of the day, instead of numbing out the day that you actually unpack it, whether it's really quickly or, you know, over a matter of time that you actually write down some things that happened that day, maybe record a voice note, somehow digest what happened that day instead of doing what, you know, I honestly often, if I've had like a crazy day, I come home and I pour a glass of wine and I put on Netflix. I numb out. I don't want to feel or hear anything more. But again, going back to that suppression of stuff that kind of just suppresses the day and puts it in a box and packs it away somewhere. So a lot of mental awareness can actually be helpful when it comes to, or it can be helpful with mental awareness to take time to unpack it, take time to get it out, tell yourself, like remind yourself of the day, what you felt went bad, what you felt went great, what you think you could improve upon, something that bothered you, whatever it is. Um, give yourself that time and space because you will actually start to learn your own personal patterns and start to understand your own personal opinions and start to be able to tap into them to have a voice, not only for yourself, but for the things that you care about. And also if you were somebody who is interesting, interested in speaking or writing, this is a great, great way to kind of channel those thoughts into something, um, meaningful, you know, like something that taps into the emotion when it's happening and where it's happening. So that would be my answer to that question. All right, question two, losing weight, but also being like an advocate for your body. You know, I, I'm avoiding the word body positive because as we learned in episode four with Kenzie Brenna, body positive is actually um, a really old term that was used for um, bodies that are not mine. It's not, it's not for me to use. And I'm really trying to err away from using it. Um, it was a movement started, uh, quite, quite a while ago, especially for those in, um, plus size bodies. I believe it was, uh, women of color and also for disabled bodies. So I, I just want to be very respectful of that. I'm going to say self-acceptance is a really great thing. Body acceptance, body confidence, all of that kind of stuff. But how do you be a body accepting person or a body confident person and also lose weight? Now, this is something I can't speak on about personal experience because that wasn't my personal experience. My personal experience was losing weight in hopes of loving my body, in the hopes of finding acceptance at the end of this magical diet rainbow in which I counted everything I ate and, you know, ended up underweight and and still really kind of stressed about my body. So, um... I can't speak to that because I, I really thought that I was going to hate my body into being happy and that's not, uh, that didn't work. I don't know anybody that it's worked for yet. And uh, a huge reason that I didn't go down um, another whole path with some of that in terms of, you know, plastic surgery and stuff. A lot of people who have lost a significant amount of weight go through a skin removal process as it does hang down quite differently after you um, 
have lost weight, um, the, the elastic of the skin can't really bounce back the same way. The reason I chose not to do that was because I, I started to really grasp and understand the fact that I was trying to target hate onto my body in order to love it. So while some people can go and get skin removal and it's just like a step of their journey, for me, it would have been a retargeting. Just like when I was losing weight, all I thought was as if I was just like within this zone I'll be happy and then getting to that weight and I was like okay well maybe if I just lost 10 more and I get to that weight and it's like okay well maybe if I could just like a, like one more size like one more size and then I'm I'm be good it became an addiction it, it was a it was a retargeting of hate over and over and over on my body and on my skin and I've talked about it before but that's why I didn't really go down the route of plastic surgery because I knew that if I started dabbling into something um, I was going to start looking at myself more constructively so I actually kind of flipped the switch on it and um, I just want to say that openly because I'm not against um, personal choice for other people's bodies. It is your body to choose with. It is not my body to choose with. I choose from my body and I can share about that, but I am not here to introduce shame to anybody else's um, personal choice. That is um, as an advocate for women and as an advocate for um you know, people everywhere, I want you to fully hear and understand that. Um, it's really, really important for me to, to kind of like disclaim that and, and for people to know that, like, I, I don't think that they're mutually exclusive of each other. Like, I think you can actually love yourself and pursue plastic surgery. And I think that you can actually love yourself and pursue a weight loss journey. And it's just not what my experience was, but because I went through the experience quite differently, I now have a perspective on the other side of it of, wow, there actually is a way to do this. And I had a friend, Kim, um, who used these words with me and it's been my favorite thing in the way of um, kind of flipping the dialogue and less about, because if you go into a Google search engine and you say losing weight, everything that's going to come up is going to be something around restriction. It's going to be something around, or, or a miracle, or a miracle pill, a miracle wrap, a miracle injection. I don't know. I don't even, <laughs> I, don't know. I don't know how many miracles I have these days. Oh, there's teas. <laughs> we all know about the tea. Um, there's so much information out there. Just like, how can we take your money and tell you that you're going to lose weight? Just keep that in mind when you're scrolling and you're Googling. Um, but for a lot of people, it is, an, it is a step of self-love. It is a step of um, I'm ready to love my body in a way that I never have before. I am ready to start nourishing my body and moving it and feeling good about it and feeling like I'm a partner with my body and not something that I, I've just stopped caring about. Um, I'm somebody who really has, you know, even though I don't weigh myself anymore, so therefore I can't have this target. But, you know, when we were talking about this with my friend Kim, back to what I was saying, um, she used the words uh, how your body can release weight. And I thought, well, I like that because releasing weight sounds a lot more, um, I don't know, natural, natural in the sense of like, yes, that's just what happens for a lot of people when you've, you know, come through anything. So one thing to kind of understand too, we often put this um, idea that weight is all about exercise and it's about food. And that doesn't really give much room for a lot of the issues that are going on for reals. Some people are going through fertility struggles. Some people are going through hormonal imbalances. Some people are going through massive life stress. Some people are going through, you know, medical conditions and medications that are causing a weight 
change. Coming through those seasons, if you've come through them, and you are on a path of healing, maybe you've come from trauma, maybe you've come from, you know, an eating disorder or like even a binge eating disorder or something like that. And you've come to a place where you're like, I'm ready to take some steps in healing. And that's going to look like not restriction, but it's going to be a relearning. It's going to be something in which I start to get to know what works for my body. I'm going to get to know what foods I like. Even coming coming back to mental awareness, this is very much the same. It's like body awareness understanding which things really work for you and what you like and leaning into that. Sometimes you can get help from a nutritionist. Sometimes it might be a naturopath or a dietitian. I have a naturopath who helps because I have a hormonal imbalance. So I have to eat not with restriction, but intention. So my it's really important, for instance, that I have to have a lot of fats within the day. Fat is like my priority food because like hormones feed on fat. And if I want them to balance out and like get better, then that's going to be a really important thing. One of the major symptoms of my hormonal imbalance was weight gain. And um, my hormonal imbalance, it appears, has been triggered by stress. Um, Coming through so many years of change and so much going on, I don't know if it's necessarily a right now stress or if it's my body is now catching up with me and saying, oh my gosh, we just went through a lot of things and now, you know, this is going on within your body. Regardless, when I gained that weight, it was amazing to me that I sat in you know, the naturopath's office. And I said to her, I know I've gained weight. I don't have a scale, but I wear jeans and I can tell that I have gained weight, especially in my stomach area. And I said to her for the first time that for me, this is not problematic, but it is symptomatic. So in the process of, you know, balancing my body and finding health in this like new situation, keeping in mind that not really a lot's changed in my lifestyle in terms of what I eat or how I exercise. This weight gain has happened. And as my body balances out, it might lose it. And that would be a weight release. Now that's my story. I don't know what your story is, but for a lot of people, you might be pursuing weight loss but you're like, how do, I, how do I do that in a way that's like body accepting? And I think it always comes down to this core thing of, can you love your body through change in either direction? Can you be intentional about honoring it and loving it and showing up for it no matter what size and what weight you are today? Are you willing to look in the mirror in adoration in the moment you are now, knowing that six months from now, you might look completely different? And just because it's thinner doesn't mean it's better. And just because it's bigger doesn't mean it's better. It just means that it's you. And, you know, our skin is an elastic for a reason. Our body changes for so many different causes and reasons. And I really just, I, I so wish, I so wish for the girls where I get emotional because I, my heart breaks for former me. Like I'm so heartbroken for her because she just missed so much opportunity. She missed so much opportunity. She was beautiful then. And she was beautiful throughout the change. And she just waited for this conclusion of weight loss to be the thing that made her happy. And I didn't get a chance to love her. So part of me really mourns that. It's like, I don't want to relate it to this in a way, but it's like you don't really get to say goodbye to somebody when you lose somebody. And like, I felt like I lost her and I never got to tell her I loved her. 
So knowing that is why I feel like it's so important to love yourself through change, no matter the direction and why it truly is possible to love yourself and release weight and lose weight. Just like I believe you can love yourself and you can gain weight. Cause that's what, that's the season I'm in right now. I'm gaining weight. And it's like, honestly, I actually feel bomb. I feel amazing. (laughs) I'm crying about my former self, but I actually like, I love my body. Sometimes it like catches me and I feel like a little weird about it. Or, you know, I feel like I'm, I noticed that I'm like a lot bigger than some of my friends that I was like the same size as at one point. But I also have like never felt sexier and I've never been more confident. And I just like realized that like my body is not what's causing that. It's like, that's not what it is. It's not like about my curves. It's not about my loose skin. It's not about my stretch marks. It's like about me. It's about who I am. It's about how I'm showing up, right? So I don't know. Like, I I hope that answers that question. I feel like that went down like a really sad trail for a second there. But um, I I really do believe it's possible. And I think that if you're struggling or you're somebody who doesn't really know how to do it well, um, really pay attention to diet culture and so that you can understand when it's something you're doing is healthy and when it's uh, diet and, and, you know, those differences and diet not being in the sense of like what you eat every single day is obviously your diet but like not diet culture. Like diet culture is like the thing that tells you that you just have to eat less and take up less space in this world. So wow, I am like 25 minutes into this and like I've answered two questions. So kind of figured that this would happen. The next one I'm really going to talk about is what do you eat? So I get this question all the time. What do you eat? What are your workouts? What are you doing? How do you look like you do? How did you lose weight? How did you blah, blah, blah? All of those things. Now, here's why I don't share. So sorry that this is going to be a really unsatisfying answer to this question. I don't share often what I eat or any type of a full diet program or or an exercise program or anything. Okay, so healthy eating. That's That's like a big one. But healthy... It's like one of those words that like it can be applied to a lot of things, but like what does it really mean? And the and the thing that I've understood for me is what is healthy for me and for my body is completely customized to me and my body. I grew up with a slew of stomach issues. I was diagnosed with like IBS at like 11 or something. I always was sick. Like I don't remember. I used to like go on dates and have to like plan where the bathrooms were because I couldn't figure out what food was making me sick. And it was like, I always had to be like, can we not eat dinner out? And like, I'll just go to a movie. Like I, I was so terrified because like it was honestly terrifying. Like every single social scenario, I had to like figure out where the bathrooms were and figure out how quickly I could like leave to go home and be sick. I mean, I had a lot of diarrhea just like straight up, like just getting that out there in case you're like, how are you, how are you getting sick? Like, were you, no, I was having a lot of diarrhea. I had IBS, Um, D, which is like IBS diarrhea. And then as an adult, actually during my, during my weight loss, I was obviously like paying attention a lot to like everything I was eating. And one of the things that was really common was that I was avoiding red meats because I felt that they were too high in calories and too high in fats and blah, blah, blah. So I stopped eating red meat and I stopped getting sick. So that was like the first thing I was like, holy crap, how long have I been eating red meat? And I've gotten really, really sick from it. So, um, I stopped eating red meat seven years ago, six years ago. And, uh, I stuck with like 
white meats and stuff like that. Anyway, so long story short, eventually I actually got IBSC, which is IBS constipation. Went back to the doctors, said, okay, I'm having like really bad stomach issues. Like I am not going to the bathroom. And I would, because I still weighed myself like all the time, this was like during the time that I was like 115 pounds. So I was 115 pounds and I would get up as like to about 124, 125 pounds within a week's time because I wasn't going to the bathroom. So just imagine for a moment, like don't like physically imagine it, but like imagine the feeling of what that was. I was in so much pain and I was also so self-conscious because you can't just like have nine pounds of poop like grow in your body and like build up in your body, not release it and like have anything fit. I was very, very uncomfortable. And um, I was also, um, every time I took like laxatives and stuff, I had to take like so many for them to work. And I was terrified of being like laxative dependent and, and all of these different things. So I go to the doctor and I'm explaining what's happening. And he immediately looks at me and says, okay, what we're going to do is we're going to cut gluten and we're going to cut dairy from your diet immediately. And I was like, what? Because I was server at the time. And I used to like, this is like karma for you. I honestly used to think that it was kind of like made up allergies when people talked about gluten. I was like, "Mm, I don't feel like that's real. I feel like people just talk about gluten intolerance because it's like cool sounding. And um, so that was a bit of a slap in the face when he said that. And it was a double slap in the face when I actually cut out gluten and dairy. And I started to become regular. So um it was, it was pretty clear after that. Now, whenever I eat gluten, I end up getting, and actually a lot more things healed up. So my skin healed. I used to have cystic acne. I had a lot of acne down my legs and on my chest. Um, all of these different things that, um, now when I even have a little bit of those things accidentally will show in my skin. So, and like I take, I take like a skin probiotic and stuff because like it, it does happen. And that's almost like the only way to like keep it in check. So, um, that's been kind of like my story when it comes to my body and my stomach. So I would hate to sit here and talk like I know jack all about nutrition for the world and for other people's bodies or sit and talk about how I eat mostly plant-based with like, you know, all, um, like no gluten, no dairy, like all of this stuff. I don't know your body. I'm not your doctor. And 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 I say that like with so much love, like I want you to be an advocate for yourself and pay attention to what works for your body. Just the same as like, I, even like this weekend, just like a random example, I was, I was dealing with extreme bloating and realized that one of the um, ingredients in a drink that I was having was erythrinol, erythrinol, which is like a sugar alcohol that for some people can cause like really bad side effects. And I had had that and it was really easy for me to pinpoint because I was like, I had been having it over a series of these days and I'd never had this drink before. So it was very easy to identify. This is the thing that changed. What is the thing in it? And then when I realized that, because I had had that same sweetener in the past and had the exact same thing. Now I'm like, well, now I know to avoid it. Um, it takes a little bit of like that relationship with yourself and when you're eating to 
kind of cause that like intention around it. Just the same as like when you have a baby and like you introduce foods like one at a time. Sometimes we need to eliminate foods out to figure out what works for us. But again, consult with a nutritionist, consult with a, you know, a dietitian or your naturopath or your doctor, be an advocate for yourself. We're not meant to like walk around and be sick. Um, these things can manifest in so many different ways. So, um, this is very much why I don't talk about what I, what I eat because I, I just don't want people to self-diagnose. I don't want people to take something that's happened to me and apply it to them. It's something that I've done so many times before when I saw other people apply diets to themselves, thinking that it was going to be the one for me and it just wasn't so um yeah so that's kind of my answer to that question a big one that people have asked um is how to take negative comments and the thing is you might have asked this if you were somebody who asked you might have asked this in the way of you know how do you handle criticism being on a platform but I really want to like and that's what kind of a lot of people said because I've shared some of the troll comments I've gotten in the past um there's a couple different things I'm going to say about this Sometimes the opinions of people are just out there because they're they're trying to get a rise out of you. Other times, there are people who truly have oppressive uh, oppressive thoughts about the female body or the female lifestyle or just lifestyle in general. If you're not a female, there are a lot of oppressive thoughts out there. I don't believe in shame-inducing conversations. I think that there is such a way to have safely guided conversations if you truly care about the outcome of something. When you introduce shame into a conversation and into a dialogue, what happens is we immediately get our defenses up. We immediately feel on the defense. We feel hurt. We feel down. It feels like an attack. If there is something that someone is saying to you that is a negative comment, just Sometimes you have to just straight up consider the source. Are they looking to constructively feed you and push you into a new way of thinking? Or, you know, are they just projecting shame and an opinion on you? Um, This was one thing that somebody said a couple weeks ago to me that really, really stuck. And it says, don't take criticism from someone you wouldn't ask advice from. So if you are getting an opinion from somebody and it is negative and it is somebody that is not in your relational world, does not know you in your heart, maybe not the person that you want to be taking that from. If this opinion or this criticism has come from somebody that you genuinely trust and care about, potentially that's the time to listen. Potentially that's the time to create dialogue. Um, Do it in a safe way. Do it in a way that is respectful and kind and allow yourself that openness to kind of take some of that criticism. I say that because if it wasn't for some of the negative comments that were truly loving and constructive, I wouldn't be the person I am today. I wouldn't have the heart for the things that I've chosen to learn about because somebody challenged me to learn them. However, when people come along and they try and tell me to reduce my body fat or that I look disgusting or that my legs look like cottage cheese, that just gets me mad in a way that feels good. I hope you understand what I mean when I say that. Sometimes you need to be reminded of what your truth and your core is when somebody challenges it. So as much as I don't believe in bullying and negative comments, 
I've actually been able to channel them in a way that feels so good because it reminds me of my fight. Sometimes we can talk about things and, you know, especially going into like a body issue thing and it feels like, well, haven't we gotten there? Don't we all understand that, you know, women's bodies change and we all kind of have cellulite and stretch marks are freaking normal. But then these little comments come up and these like discussions in these subreddit boards and all these different things and you realize, oh, We've maybe come a long way with the audience that we have, but what about the people who are still on the outside of that? There is work to be done. There is a lot of people who are still trying to oppress the female body or bodies in general by giving their opinion on what you should look like. There is a whole lot of miseducated, misinformed, society-induced, diet culture-based thoughts and opinion that is not based on truth. And sometimes it just makes me mad to think that somebody believes that if they tell me I should just have less body fat because that's what's more physically appealing to them. I mean, just think about that. That just like that just like flips a switch for me. I don't know about you, but that just changes something for me. I get highly defensive when you're talking about my body in a way like that, that it's only on this earth to serve others and to serve like to serve an appearance like on a dish for others to accept no this is my journey this is my body this is mine to like struggle with it's one thing if we if we struggle with self-hatred and we're dealing with those negative comments inside our heads it's a whole other ballpark when somebody else comes in and creates an opinion on your body as well so honestly I just think that a like yes to answer that question consider the source If it's not somebody that you're going to ask advice from, just don't even worry about those opinions. And two, let it get you mad in the right ways. Let it motivate you with the right kind of stuff and go forward with that, whatever that feeling is. And um, let it, let it kind of feed your, your truth a little bit. Sometimes I feel like when we get into discussions about opinions or like devil's, a devil's advocate, like just a debate, sometimes it reminds you of why you're fighting for what you're fighting for. And sometimes it opens your eyes to another opinion. But in this case, if Alon just like fuels my fire a little bit and makes me feel like passionate again, if that makes sense. So that would be that question. So the next question, I don't know, is this question five? is going to be a little bit interesting and it's a little bit juicy. And I'm going to talk about this in the nicest way possible. Somebody asked, actually a few people asked questions or versions of this. Tell us the truth about being an influencer. Okay. So there's a couple little things about this. One, I didn't really know what being an influencer was or the fact that there was like money involved until I was like quite a bit down the line in it. Um, I had a pretty steady audience and I thought that was like cool. At the time, it mattered a lot to me what my numbers were. I used to like literally see if somebody like unfollowed me and like gutted me all the time. Um, since then, and I used to like be really obsessive about like, how do I make like, what's the best time to do this? And what's the best time for that? And what's this? And blah, blah, blah. like, I felt so caught up in how to be successful on an online platform because it felt like that was the, that was what I should be doing if I cared about it. Um, and then over time, I've kind of stepped away from that a little bit. And that's not to say that like you shouldn't care or that like if you care, you're wrong. It's just that that's actually not what worked for me anymore. So one of the things about being an influencer is so much that you don't see. 
And I can't speak about everyone's experience, but I'm going to talk about mine. I'm going to talk about how I changed what was a very unhealthy, I'm going to call it work environment, into something that very much has been uh, incredibly powerful and um, supportive. So um, going all the way back, I was invited to a lunch at one point. It was just like a networking lunch. And somebody actually said to me, how are you not making money? doing any of this influencer stuff. I was like a, I was a newly single mom at the time and I'm working two jobs and somebody asked me this question and I looked at her like, what? People are making money doing this? I thought you just, I thought this was just like a social thing. Like I thought it was just social media and she's like, no, no, no. Like there's, there's actual like income in this. Like you can find a way to support yourself while still doing what you're doing. It's like interesting. Okay. So that sounds cool. I would love some money right about then because like girls got to eat, girls got three kids to feed. Sounded amazing. And so I kind of signed up for some of these platforms. Now, first of all, I want to also say at the time that that was said to me by one person, there was a lot of other people in my life that were earning an income and not telling me about it. And that makes me a little bit sad because it's like this whole idea where there's only so much of the pie to go around. And that's not true. If you have questions about monetization of something that you've built, please don't be embarrassed about that. Don't be shy about it. Ask questions because there are answers out there and not everybody's willing to offer them up. But I'm here to tell you that I will tell you literally everything. And it really doesn't bother me because I think that this is like such an incredible Um, amazing opportunity. I say that from somebody who, you know, has no education, who came from being, you know, a single mom working two jobs to being fully self-sustainable by just doing what she actually freaking loves to do and being very invested in that. So for me, being an influencer is not so much about how do I make money? I will say that the money part of it is actually, um, what kind of gives me the ability to do what I do because before I used to wake up about two hours before my job and I used to get off I used to get there at seven o'clock in the morning so I could work and get off at three o'clock so that I can invest hours at nighttime to be able to you know uh, grow this platform and, and grow this you know side the side gig to kind of supplement that income that I wasn't making from having a spouse or having like a dual income family so I was a dual income one person. And so coming out of that and coming into like this space where I finally got to quit my job, um, I want you to understand that uh, there have been times that I have taken, I think, how do we say this? I think there's like this idea of, oh my gosh, somebody's going to sponsor me. I'm going to make money. This is so cool. And yeah, it is really cool. However, if you're somebody um, like I am, I have an incredible community. I have incredible people that read my posts and trust my opinion. I have a huge respect for the people that spend time on my page and have a willingness to watch and pay attention and read my stuff and listen to my words. They mean the world to me. I am not going to freely cash out on this trusted audience. That is not what I'm about. Um, I realized that quite a few years ago when I was offered a lump sum of money from a very shady brand at a time that I really, really needed money. I was offered $13,000 to back a product that I will never back. And I want to say that because even though I'm really anti-inducing shame, 
I want to say that there are people out there who are cashing out on these things. They are cashing out on things that hurt people. I don't think it's wrong for women to earn money in a space that they are doing so much in, that they have created a job from nothing out of. Nobody just starts and suddenly has a bunch of followers. This is intentional community growth over years. And if somebody wants to come alongside them and support that messaging, I think that's amazing. I think that is absolutely incredible at the opportunity that have been made from these things. But I don't think it's okay if it doesn't align with you and your gut and your core and your messaging to take on things that, you know, kind of veer away from that. Now, I have a bit of a vetting process. I turn down, I'm going to say about 90% of the sponsorship offers. And I'm in a position where I do have sponsorship offers and that's a really amazing thing. But it also means it's an added responsibility. So one person had kind of, you know, asked about, you know, how do you, how do you deal with like the, you know, the, the influencer culture, which is like a lot of these diet teas and like a lot of hair stuff and all these different things. And I think the core question for me is, is somebody potentially getting hurt by what they're making money off of? Are they earning an income, promoting a product that might be hurting somebody? Now, that might differ for some people, but for me, like, I actually really don't care if somebody is, you know, choosing to wear a wig or if they're choosing to, um, you know, put a ton of makeup on or whatever it is that they're doing, I have no problem with. I do have a problem with things like the tease. And um, that's going to be very clear for me because we know that that is something that actually hurts people. It actually causes like diarrhea and it <laughs> like and not the diarrhea that I talked about earlier, like a whole other kind of diarrhea. So um, I just really think that when it comes to the truth about being an influencer and it comes to it, it comes down to trusting your trusting the person you follow, trusting that, you know, they've gone through the process of uh, vetting who they're who they're going to take sponsorship for, that they respect you as an audience more than they respect more money in their bank account. I could have cashed out on this. I've chosen not to. I choose to take enough that supports me doing what I'm doing. Um, And I continue, if there's anything that even gives me a little bit of an ick factor feeling, I just don't do it. Um... So that's that's kind of like my thing there. In terms of the rest of it, I have also stepped away from obsessive thoughts around it. I no longer have notifications on my phone. Um, I don't really obsess over numbers. I don't really go too far into worrying about the algorithm and things like that because I found that in just trusting trusting my voice and trusting my content and trusting who I am and how I show up that the right things will be seen and heard um, as they're meant to be. And that can be scary for a lot of people, but that's actually just what's helped me the most. Um, It is an industry that can be really exhausting because it feels very competitive and it feels very comparison-based. Um, and not, and it, sometimes it feels like a popularity contest. And I think that that's kind of a hard part of it, but also it was such an opportunity for me, um, when people meet me and they're like, oh my gosh, like she has all these followers. I'm like, but that actually doesn't, it, it doesn't matter anything if I'm not a kind human. So the followers mean a lot in the sense of like the community that I built. And that's what I really gather, um, excitement around but it no longer is tied to my worth or how I feel validated in this world anymore so um because I accidentally deleted my Instagram account at one time I don't know if y'all remember that but it happened and it was real and it was scary ever since I came back um 
ever since I got my account back, I knew something changed in me that day. I knew that this, it meant, it was funny because like, I think, gosh, I'm emotional today. I think what people expected or what I expected the feeling to be was that I lost followers. But in that moment, I missed my friends. I felt like I missed my people and I felt like I missed my writing and this journal of life that I'd had for years. And I realized that that was the thing that was important to me, that those were the people that were important to me was like this, this community. And I want to also say like, that is the only reason I have an account again is because my community stepped up and rallied until Instagram actually brought my account back. I still don't know 100% how it happened, but I do know that there was so many reports filed that it can, it was considered a red flag in on Instagram side. So I mean, when it comes to me being someone with a platform, I'm only a platform because of other people who have lifted me up, whether they are followers or whether they're other people with a platform who have like lifted up my story or however they've used it. I'm here today because of that. And I have so much respect for it that I take it very, very seriously. Um, On the mental health side of things, I also schedule it a lot more like a job now. I book myself about four hours a day to reply to DMs and comments. I also allow myself to check off on the evenings. I share things when I want to share things and I've given myself grace to not share things that I don't want to share. My kids have consent in the space. My husband has consent in the space. We all, it's, it's, it's run more like a business, but much more me, like, which is so cool. Cause somehow I've, I've now gotten to this place where yes, it's monetizing and I have justification for the time that I'm spending in it, but it's also allowing me to do so much more and be so much more and grow as a person and honor my mental health. Um, it, like I said, it can be a really suffocating industry to be in. And I think if you're not paying attention to your cues and to your own mental health, there's going to be so much burnout. And so that's what I'm going to say is the truth for me about being an influencer. It's, and I, and I really hate the word influencer because I feel like it, um, it's so lumped in with a lot of negativity. So for me, I like to kind of just be an, in, in, uh, what do we, I don't, I don't even know what to call it. Like I love being considered more like a writer or a content creator or somebody who is like inspiring thought. I like to just think of it in that way. Somebody who's chosen to journal their life online and connect with women in a really meaningful way. So yeah, I think that was um, a really weird answer to that question, but I really hope it helped. So, okay. The next question, this one is um, probably going to make me cry. Um, it's talking about thin privilege and the question was thin privilege and weight loss. And this person said, I haven't forgotten her in terms of like who she was before. And I thought, but she is so easy to forget. And let me dive into this a little bit. This is exactly what happens when you go through weight loss. You go from, for me, shopping in the plus size section or shopping at the very highest point of clothing stores. You don't really see a model your size ever you kind of get used to feeling like nothing really fits you right. Um, You start to get really desperate around what kind of things that you can wear to either hide your body or make it look smaller. There's a lot of like targeted thought around fashion and stuff like that. Then you lose weight 
And, you know, first of all, people are complimenting you and they're so excited for you and they want to like cheer you on. But what happens is you feel like because you're losing weight, that that is why they like you more and that's why they're complimenting you. So then that starts to happen. Also for me, I started to get a lot more like attention from men. And that was hard too, because then it was like, I felt like I suddenly was becoming more of uh, like a, like something for them and not something for me. Um, there's a lot of privilege that kind of comes with being able to shop in a thinner body. You get to go to literally any store, you can shop online, you can do whatever. And it is really, really easy to forget the girl who once had to go to the different store. Can you imagine like this sometimes just absolutely floors me to think back on. Can you imagine going to the mall with your friends and just like pretending that you had nothing to buy because you can't actually fit into anything in that store. And you know that the only store that you can fit in is the one that you're going to go to with your mom later. And you go to with your mom later and it's like in a totally different store and they don't really have like the styles that you wanted or potentially it's in the back corner of a store and it's completely apart from the rest of the sizes and it makes you feel really, really off. Now, something that I also want to like explain though is that I've started to understand because a lot of times I think we just get straight angry where we're just like, why don't brands have more sizing? Where is the sizing? Where is like, why is things only going up to an XL? There are people that are bigger than an XL. Why do we not have sizing for them? One thing that I've actually interviewed quite a few small brands with and newer brands with is that it is because of the design world of it, it is almost like a remaking of something completely in order to honor a bigger body. And They know, they're fully aware that you can't just take a product that was originally designed for a size two woman's body and then just make it in a bigger size and not honor the shape differences and how much difference there can be for that. So one of the things I've learned as well is especially for small businesses, they only are granted a certain amount of, or they also have like investment money to start with. So they have to start with like base sizing and base sizing is like within a certain expansion and then they use profit from the base sizing so that they can expand to bigger sizing. It's a common question that I'm asked. And sometimes when I'm wearing a brand that I know doesn't have expansive sizing, that's a question that I will ask back on them. And almost always the answer is we are waiting for the return on investment so that we can continue in extending sizes because it's not that every single brand just straight up doesn't care, but it does take asking that question to make sure that these things are continuing to happen and that brands of all different sizes are willing to do it. Now there are, you know, I'm not going to like say completely like an out of brand here, but like ones that remind, like that rhyme with Shimoria Shmikrit, um, don't actually care. They've actually made statements saying that it's not part of their fantasy, which is their line of clothes. And that because they don't feel like bigger women fit into their fantasy, they're not really interested in making expansive sizes for them. That's where it's utter bullshit. And like, sorry to swear, but like, that's utter bullshit. Um, Every single woman is a fantasy. Every single woman is absolutely somebody's fantasy. Or perhaps just her own damn fantasy. And to make this excuse of we don't make clothes that size because we just actually don't care, too, is disgusting and not okay. 
However, next steps for us. If you are in a clothing store and you notice that, um, you know, the plus size section is on the other side of the store and you maybe are now in a thin body, but you remember what it was like to go over to the corner of the store to shop in the other section, maybe bring up how that felt for you. You're, you're somebody who now has power with your story. You have the ability to speak and you have the ability to like write letters and say, hey, have you ever considered just expanding your regular section of clothing? Like, have you considered just making up to a size, you know, 4X or, or more? Like, have you considered instead of making a plus size section, just integrating that section into us? Luxurious Roxy was a really good friend for this. Like she said, I why should I be shopping in a plus size section when I don't expect other people to shop in like a minus size section? And I was already like a negative section. And I was like, huh, interesting, but so cool. When you put it in that thought process, like imagine everything was plus size stores and you went in and they're like, please go to the back corner to the negative section. Like you don't fit our sizes. It is really important that we continue to be aware if you were somebody in a thin body of where your privilege lies. And for a lot of times, it really is in the fact that you can just shop anywhere and do anything and people treat you differently. My mom has somebody who has also gone through a major weight loss and she's just been floored by like some of the things that I'm like, isn't that sad? Because you've always been the same person. Like you always have been the same human. Like you are you and you are so deserving of like doors being open for you no matter what size you are. And I think if we start to pay attention to it a little bit more, just even beyond like clothing sizes, but how much privilege we actually have being in a thinner body, it can cause you to choose to fight for those who are not. Now, one of the ways that you can choose to fight for those who are not is just starting to be an ally to them is following as many women in different diverse sizes as you can. Follow more people in uh, disabled bodies. I This is one thing that I've started to do a lot more lately is following the disabled uh, body community because they're teaching me things that I wasn't aware of before, like seeing ramps or seeing accessibility or seeing like how, you know, some clothing lines are now making them more accessible for a disabled body. There is so much that we don't have to deal with because we live with privilege and we just don't see it. So it's really important to just pay attention. So if you can try and like tune into that world a little bit, have them share some of their thoughts and their feelings on what it's like to be somebody in a different body that has less privilege so that you can understand your own. And that's something that, again, I'm not an expert in. I don't work in clothing. I don't work in like the retail industry. This is like a little bit of personal opinion mixed with a personal experience. And I just really think that that would be a really cool thing to, for all of us to start paying a lot more attention to is like how much privilege we really do have. Just even being in like a thinner body, which is anything from like a size 12 and down. So that's going to be my like biggest thing there. So I'm realizing that I'm at kind of the end of my time here. There was a lot of questions around relationship and co-parenting and things like that. I'm going to save that entirely for a new episode. The reason for that is Shane has agreed to be on the podcast and I am going to probably feed him a glass of whiskey and ask him anything I want to. So I'm really, really excited to dive into that with him at some point and really kind of get into some cool, cool, cool topics um, around some of this and our experience with being a blended family, our experience with dating with kids, our experience with, you know, co-parenting and what that's been for us so far. So something we don't really talk about that much. So I think it's a really cool opportunity too. And uh, yeah, so I really, really, really hope that answers that question. Um, 
I'm also going to continue to open up this for asking more questions as well. You guys have been incredible at sending me more topics and things to do. If there is somebody in your world that you're like, this person really helped me with blah, please submit them to them. Because I think that one of the things that's kind of challenging in this space and, you know, choosing the proper guests to have has been not so much how many followers they have or how how successful they are but more so what are they going to teach us like what is their story what am I going to learn from it and just kind of tapping into some of those so I'm really excited we've had an incredible amount of applications come in and um thank you so much if you sent one through um and I'm so excited to continue having some of these conversations but I want them to really be guided by you guys I want them to be something that uh, you continue to bring forward as a question or concern or something that you just never heard talked about before and let's dive into it let's have fun with it so thank you so much for today It's my second solo podcast ever. I'm sure when I listen back on it, I'm going to be like, oh my gosh, Sarah, like you need to like figure some crap out before you do this again. And that's cool. I will figure some stuff out before I do it again. But thank you for today. Thank you for submitting those questions. Sorry, I only got to like six of them, but I really hope that they answered some like questions in a meaningful way. And um, if you have anything more to follow up on, or if you really love this podcast and some of the things that we talked about, I mean, keep sharing it. All right, guys, until next week. Well, friends, thank you so much for tuning in and listening to today's episode. For more information on this episode, check out the show notes or find us on Instagram at the Papaya Podcast. And if you loved what you just listened to or know somebody who would, please share it. Simply screenshot today's episode in the podcast app and share it to your Instagram stories. And don't forget to tag us. Last but not least, if you'd like to lend your personal support to the podcast, take a moment and leave a review on iTunes. We would be oh so grateful. Tune in next week for a fresh new episode of the Papaya Podcast, and we'll see you then.